Hello and welcome everyone to the 10th edition of Tiger Kickoff, the podcast for the 2020 college football season. My name is Adam Cole and I'm joined by our other two Columbia, Missourian, Missouri football beat writers. That is always a mouthful to say, but I'm joined by Max Baker and Andy Kimball. And we are coming to you from a pre-recorded podcast on December 10th, 2020, coming off what's been certainly a busy week uh, for the Missouri Tigers, both on and off the field, certainly highlighted by uh, that uh, 50 to 48 win over Arkansas, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, just as well, uh, Missouri nabbed a four-star recruit from St. Louis. Would have been a week ago tomorrow, a week ago Friday, and Isaac Thompson, who's a safety out of uh, St. Louis University High, and the UM System Board of Curators also approved initial plans for a new indoor football facility for Mizzou. So certainly a lot to touch on, a lot to talk about, and we will get to all of it, but we're gonna kickstart things with that Arkansas win. Yeah, um, Adam, I got a question for you. Uh, before we go into football, it, why is there such thing as a handful, a mouthful, but not any other body parts? Like, you, why Like, why do you, you know, I, it's just something I think about oftentimes, like a, there's no leg full, there's no is, football. I, Where's that come from? Where where did you get that? Did that just pop in your head? Did well, I you, say something? You said uh, the the Missourian beat writers was a mouthful. And it I is was, a mouthful. It is a mouthful. But like, why do we have handful, mouthful, heart? We have harmful, which is basically armful. Well, that's. I mean, you add one letter and it changes the whole word. You can't really hold something with your legs. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, but you can, yeah, if, yeah, that's true, but you don't really hold, yeah, you don't really, when something's a handful, it's not like you're holding it, actually. It's like just a representation. You're like George Carlin right now. I Do you even know who George Carlin is? Yeah, that was the first thing I was wondering, and then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh I don't. Oh my gosh, taking it so literal. It's a lot of words in my mouth, yeah. metaphorically anyways. That's true. That's true. I just think leg, legs are underappreciated. Soccer is a good game. Harrison Mevis would say, where are the legs? It's a good point. Harrison Mevis, definitely um, definitely good segue there. Harrison Mevis was certainly the highlight of the uh, the Arkansas game, too. He kicked a, a field goal as time expired to win it in the uh, latest installment of the battle line rivalry. Um, but, I mean, really, that was just kind of the tip of the iceberg for that whole game, too. I mean, you had the the two-point conversion less than a minute earlier that seemed to seal it for Arkansas and a lot of different performances that were standout. But, you know, what, I guess, stood out to you guys the most in that Arkansas game? It just, it felt like more of like a rivalry to me, in my opinion. I thought for the first time it was like a, you know, like it felt like there there were the fans somewhat, you know, disliked each other. I don't, I'm not, a, I think I talked about this before, but it's like, you know, it's not a rivalry. It, it, it wasn't a rivalry. It's still not a rivalry. Like, I don't think Missouri fans care how Arkansas does this week. I, you know, I don't think they know who Arkansas is even playing this week. Um, so it's not, it's not a rivalry in that sense, but I, it did feel like there was a little bit added to the game and, you know, that intensified when Nick Bolton got ejected and that was that whole thing, but it, it felt like, uh, you know, that really has nothing to do with the game we just watched, but that's what it felt like. It was the loudest. I think probably we would all admit that Furrow was all year, you know, last game. And it wasn't because it was, you know, close. I think it was the booing of Nick Bolton getting ejected was probably the loudest. So that was my. Yeah. And I think kind of without Bolton, like the offense emerged and had, I mean, I would say probably it's most impressive performance of the season, just because that Arkansas defense had been one of the better units in the SEC up until last week. And they, I mean, they made him look like a Vanderbilt-level defense. And I think Bazelak had a really smart game. And there are two receivers who – they're two graduates for receivers who we saw kind of not a whole lot from the whole year. Both were really kind of the biggest reason they kind of had those late drives and 
took the game over late. Somebody posed this question to me, and I didn't think it really did have an effect, but somebody was like, "What? you know, Missouri's defense really, really struggled, and it struggled without Bol- with Bolton, too. Like, they had already given up, I think, 20 points in the first half when Bolton had gone out, and Arkansas was driving. Obviously, it was a forced fumble on the play, but or incomplete. Um, but do you think that Odom sort of knowing Missouri's personnel on, you know, their in Walters and knowing Walters and how he calls defensive schemes. And do you think that impacted you? Know, like, I, I personally don't think it did, but a fan, a person, I, th- I forget who it was. He like DM me and was like, do you think, well, you know, why is Arkansas running all these, you know, running all over Missouri why, with a backup quarterback with the running back that opted out? Like why, how did they score 48 points against that Missouri defense? That's a really good question. Honestly, I'm, you know, I was, I guess, kind of wondering the same thing. I guess more so why it happened as opposed to whether or not Odom had an impact. I don't know that he did as much. I I definitely think that like, I don't know. I just think that from the time Odom has gone to now, even though it's still same personnel, same coordinator, I think so much changes with a unit. You know, I think so much changes with a unit week to week that I would imagine they they prepped even for that possibility. And, you know, even still with the offensive, offensive success, like, I don't know. It's it's really funny because I think Odom's biggest like impact on the game admittedly was and this is kind of a gear shift, but I know, you know, I think Andy um and I talked a little bit about it after the game, but like I mean that last drive, you know, it felt like Arkansas's defense, it was like watching Mizzou flounder in the last couple of years under Odom. And, you know, that was, if anything, that was the most consistent I saw Odom, you know, obviously, I mean, he's had a phenomenal season there and and they'll continue to have phenomenal seasons with him as their coordinator. But like, I don't think that, I don't think his knowledge had an impact on how the offense schemed or game planned. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing I could really like to say is like, I, th- I feel like if anything, it went both ways because you saw Arkansas on characteristically bad defensive game too. So it could have just been a situation where like they both kind of knew, but I think like, I don't know, like Missouri's offense, like had the knowledge of that defense. And then you would think Barrett have knowledge of the offensive players like Roundtree, Bazelak. And I mean, it's a couple of the offensive linemen, they didn't return all those guys, obviously, but I don't know. Like you'd think it would go both ways. So it would cancel out, but I don't know, maybe it didn't. And it's kind of hard to really tell i guess yeah it was just something i sort of thought about because i don't know it would just look didn't look like missouri's defense in the last three weeks no totally and you know i think that's going to be really interesting like obviously like adam sparks was gone last week and i don't think that obviously i don't think that was like a deal breaker on how well they performed he's been like you know third string all year but you know i would imagine that just with all the fluctuation i know kobe whiteside went down at one point he's been I think kind of playing still semi-injured I would assume I don't know that's a that's a good question and who knows maybe Arkansas just just came to play that day but I, I don't know how much impact Odom had because even you know I know we mentioned obviously I think Basilak I think Basilak's performance was the fact that he didn't throw an interception or have a turnover I think was was huge you know that was one thing I was going to be really interested to see and of course like he followed through with that obviously Chisholm and Hazleton and then I think Roundtree and Beatty probably had their best duo performance when it came to rushing because in my brain, I knew Beatty had made an impact. I think he had two touchdowns and Roundtree had three. They combined for five, which is just nuts. But I kind of assumed that all of uh, Beatty's yards came from catches again. And I think he only had like 20 yards receiving. He had 80 yards rushing, but he only had like six carries. They they need that that dynamic to work at that degree for them to continue playing well, or I guess that well 
offensively. The other thing too, with kind of, I guess the animosity max that you hit on was obviously like, I think, I think the officiating definitely had something to do with kind of heightening that. Cause I think there were a lot of, I think a lot of people were upset with some of the calls like both ways too. I think there was one that was like a, on Arkansas where the guy was like celebrating and he was celebrating like a few feet away from Chisholm and the ref thought he had like stood over him and people were confused. And then Pittman's comments post game too. He also mentioned that uh, he mentioned something about, uh, well, you know what? We'll actually here, we'll, we'll play it for you guys here in just a sec. But he basically mentioned that um, I think that Mizzou players were getting injured like intentionally um it was it was a weird one for sure and here we'll play that clip for you right here i don't know if the kids were hurt or not but there was a lot of them and uh, there's no penalty for that so um again i'm not a medical doctor but there were a lot of kids that got hurt and they came back today and that's not the integrity of the game in my opinion the interesting thing to me was I didn't notice it during the game. I didn't notice the injuries during the game. I noticed a lot of Missouri defensive players were going down and then coming back in. But there was a couple videos online that circulated after the game that were just on Missouri's Twitter page that, like, you could see, like, a guy looked at the sideline, they were like, get down, and then he would fall to him and get an injured. And, like, I, I think that's a pretty common thing in football. But it was interesting, and I don't think that came out of nowhere. It came out of left field when I – first heard it because I hadn't I didn't notice that they were like you know not hurt you don't want to assume that and you don't want to assume that now but I did notice that was something that Arkansas fans were upset about then so it you know that also added to it definitely so I kind of I guess looking at that you know moving forward certainly you know kind of as we touched on full week for MU football I guess looking at kind of the off-field things too in particular the the indoor facility and uh and Thompson's commitment what impact do those sorts of things have moving forward? And I mean, do you think that, do you guys think that they're really going to have a monumental sort of impact or are they just more steps in the right direction? Cause I know Drinkwitz's anniversary was of coming to Mizzou was earlier this week. And he talked a lot about laying the foundation and um, you know, I mean, they certainly seem like positive steps, but just what, what do you guys make of those things? I, I don't think like any one of those things is going to make like a big impact like like by itself but i think it kind of shows that like the fan base and kind of the administration and like this year has like really gotten extremely confident in Drinkwitz, and i think that it's just that they believe in him i mean with his kind of confidence and how he's done recruiting like the only thing that i think is going to really make him level up or make the team do better is just having more resources and resources and confidence in him and in the i guess their kind of plan i guess if that makes sense and so like i don't think like having a new facility will like make them like a top 10 program or anything because i don't think that that's necessarily a really big deal on its own but i think them kind of making those steps and having recruits commit shows that there's that confidence and shows that there could be improvement in the future i guess and then having isn't like a super bold take but no yeah, yeah no I, I completely agree and then having that kind of week with the facilities and the commits and then going out and beating arkansas which is like a program sort of on the same level right now and same sort of working their, their way up like missouri is i think that just shows you that like you know, it's going to show future recruits that like, this is like a real thing. Like I probably recruits that are hesitant to come to Missouri because they're not a winning program at the moment. Then, you know, they, I think this is, you know, sort of the sort of steps, the kind of week that Missouri needed in order to become one of those top programs, you know, being ranked, getting national recognition, all that I think is just big for that program. Right. The, uh, the college football playoff selection committee ranked Missouri number 25 and it's, it's uh, latest rankings on Monday. I definitely, 
kind of, I guess, on the facility note, I, I think it was Dave Matter um, with the Post-Dispatch did um, a story on just kind of, I guess, the year in the facility. I really kind of had a curator focus, but I didn't really process the fact that Mizzou football has been kind of advocating for a new indoor facility since, I mean, since Gary Pinkle was the head coach here. And that facility's I mean, that facility, I think, is 22 years old, the Veen Pavilion, but it only has a 70-yard field. And, you know, it, it's definitely, you're right, it shows that they're, like, fully behind Drinkwitz because, I mean, it's only been one year, and he had that very much on his list as something he wanted. And, I mean, he's already got planning stages, granted, but, like, I mean, that's, you know, very quick movement for his first year. So, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm curious to see where that goes. I'm curious to see where they put it. But, uh, you know, certainly a big week for Missouri, number 25 in the country. And that brings them to, uh, I think their first, I guess their first ranked matchup all year. Um, they've played ranked opponents. I guess I mean ranked in terms of them and their opponent is ranked. But uh, with number 12, Alabama's, Georgia, ranked. Alabama's ranked. Yeah, Alabama's ranked. They're number one. Oh, my God, Max. Bad joke. <laughs> Bad joke. <laughs> but um, no, the first, I guess, mutually ranked matchup for Missouri uh, comes this Saturday when number 12 Georgia comes to town. Max actually tweeted out a really interesting fact earlier this wow. week. Max, you should you should share that. No, no, go ahead. You should you should compliment me more. Just oh my gosh. Well, basically, the last time that both Missouri and Georgia played and they were both ranked. Mizzou was ranked number 25 and they went on the road and beat Georgia who was ranked number seven at the time. Max, do you remember the score right off the top of your head? Yeah, it was uh 41 to 26, I believe. I think that's what it was. I actually, I'm not, I'm not sure. They might've, they might've both been ranked in 2014, but the last time, the only time that Missouri has ever won was when Missouri was ranked number 25 and Georgia was at that time ranked number seven and they're ranked number nine now. So it's a very similar matchup. It's not a very similar in other any you know it's not held in Athens. Missouri went on the road that year, you know that was a that was the first SEC game I believe for both teams. So wasn't really and Georgia was really injured. Like they had Aaron Murray, but they didn't have anybody else in that game. They just had you know they were dealing with a lot of injuries, and that was the game that kind of propelled Missouri to their really successful season. You know after that, I know they lost to South Carolina, but they won the SEC East and whatnot. So. I don't know. Who knows what? I don't think this game has any similarities other than that. But right. So looking at this week's matchup, in particular, what uh, I guess just heading into it, what what stands out to you guys? I know I think some people at least are thinking this could be an upset. I mean, do you guys think that's possible? And you know, if so, why or why not? I, I think it'll be kind of tough. I mean, Georgia's offense is kind of reinvigorated with JT Daniels a quarterback because he is. I mean, Stetson Bennett and the other backup quarterbacks behind him showed that like, they were okay, but he's just is so much more talented than those guys. So I think that makes them a little more scary because they have good young receivers like George Pickens too. And so I think like you, I think on paper, Georgia's offense would be a lot better than Arkansas's and last week, Missouri didn't do super well against them. So that would be kind of a cause for concern, but also, I mean, Missouri's offense hasn't played that bad all year, so it'll be kind of hard to predict, but I, I don't know. I think it'll be tough. I don't really see a whole lot of avenues for Missouri to win. But also, I mean, we've said that a lot this year and they've came out and won. So I just, I don't think Georgia's that good this year. I don't, I just, I don't think they're that good. I think they're, I don't know. They're just not as good as they've been in recent years and they're still getting adjusted with Daniels at quarterback. And there's not a whole lot for 
either team to play for, I guess, this week. I mean, except for Missouri. I think Missouri's playing for, you know, that pride. I think – I just don't think Georgia, you know, being eliminated from a championship contention, there just isn't a lot for them to play for. So I, I, could, I, I actually kind of see Missouri pulling an upset here. There was going to be one. You know, I wouldn't normally pick Missouri, but I just – I really don't see – I, you know, I don't think Georgia has been when they played Florida, they got, you know, kind of rolled out of the game and, you know, Missouri did as well. And then Georgia, you know, they just they just haven't looked all that great this year. They've looked better under Daniels. Yeah, but they've also haven't played as good of opponents, too. So, you know, who, I, who knows? Yeah, I definitely think I don't know. I do think there's potential for upset. I think kind of the big X factor and Andy, you kind of touched on it was, I guess, just how Georgia was receiving core matches up with. I'd say Missouri's secondary, but Missouri's pass defense just as a whole, you look at it, Jarvis Ware is going to be out this week. Obviously, Adam Sparks gone. You know, of course, you've got I, – I would honestly say it has grown from – we talked about the duo of Bledsoe and Gillespie at the start of the year, but it's it's really kind of grown into this great trio of safeties with Martez Manuel as well. Um, having Nick Bolton back should be big because, you know, I mean, he's he always seems to get, you know, a swat or two in every single game. So I think really the big thing is – just how well Missouri defends the pass. Cause at the end of the day, you look at what Traylon Burks and uh, I forget his first name, but Woods from Arkansas did. They both combined for, I think over like 150 receiving yards last week, Eric Gilbert and Terrace Marshall, even though Mizzou won against LSU, I think they combined for like about 220 yards of receiving. And I think they had like four or five touchdowns between the two of them. Georgia has three guys with over 20 receptions and 200 receiving yards this year. So I think Mizzou's just really going to have to be on top of it. If they can do that and get a little luck somewhere else, whether that's in the turnover margin, if they can have as many great performances offensively as they did against Arkansas, I definitely, I think they can win, but it'll be, it'll be really, really tough really really tough yeah it was really interesting to me though against mississippi state they threw the ball i think 28 times against south carolina just 16 i think the georgia offense is really interesting because against mississippi state they threw the ball 28 times and then against south carolina last week or you know they're in their last game they they threw the ball just 16 times and they really relied on their ground game so it's it, i don't know i don't think missouri knows what they're going to get with daniels at quarterback but i would expect them to run the ball a lot against missouri just because they really struggled against that just again, you know, against Arkansas and in, in, in the past, their past events has been really good this year. So I think you, you'll see a little bit more of what you saw against when Georgia played South Carolina and beat them 45-16. So that's kind of what I expect. But I, again, I don't, you know, I, you don't really know because Georgia's just been this, the, the, it's just a different team now that, you know, with not Stetson Bennett and how they've played the last couple of weeks. Score predictions. What If we had to give a score, what are we thinking? I'm thinking 31-27 Mizzou. They get like a stop at the end. I think Mizzou wins. I think they, they hold them like they bat a ball down in the end zone or something and win. Yeah, I, I think it'll be competitive. And I think Missouri will end up being, keeping it pretty close, but I think it'll be 35-24 Georgia. Missouri covers. Yeah, that's, hey, great team's cover, I guess. So Lyadrinitz has that going for him. I honestly think, especially with the way that like Mizzou just exploded offensively last week, I, I think it'll be really high scoring. Whether those points come on the ground or through the air, I'm not really sure. But my guess is it'll be like probably go 48-45 Georgia. And wow. it'll definitely be it'll definitely be close. That's 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 yeah. Take the over, Adam says. I just think that like I think with the way that Missouri offense has been just just performing, like I don't know. I think it's gonna be a lot of points. I think it's gonna be a lot of points for the rest of the year. And I don't know. If they if they get to 45 points, that'll be crazy, but 
we uh, we were all kind of predicting lower scoring matchups for the Arkansas game. And of course there were what, 98 points. So, you know, why the heck not <laughs> take the over? Why not? But with that, I think we're, we're coming into the, the home stretch, our, our final moment of the podcast, everyone's favorite game, uh, the mascot melee. So here's the breakdown. Uh, each week, we're going to give our predictions for who would win in a fight between Truman the Tiger and Missouri's opponent's mascot. In this case, that is the Georgia Bulldogs mascot, which we will get to in a second. But since week two, uh, we've added in a little more variety, a little more spice flavor, if you will, uh, as we pick our favorite mascot matchups from around the country. And I think we're going to go ahead and kick things off with Andy. Andy, who you got as your matchup this week? I've got the Oklahoma Sooners versus the West Virginia Mountaineers. I'm a battle of two of college football's premier outdoorsmen. I think the, I, I think they're pretty even, honestly, but I would probably go with West Virginia because they don't hang out in those like little like schooners all day. And so they've got the fur cap, they've got the tenacity. So I'd go with the Mountaineers. I like that game. Big Big 12. Big 12 is okay. Yeah. I mean, I think. I think the Mountaineer also has an advantage because you think about the ability to distill their own moonshine and the fact that they could probably do anything while being the slightest bit inebriated. Advantage West Virginia. Give me the Mountaineer every single time. Max, yeah, you want? Yeah, I got a, I got a old pack, pack twelve, pack ten, whatever you want to call it these days. You know, everybody's changing it. Um, the I got a matchup between Stanford and Oregon State, not one of the oldest rivalries in the game, but you know they they are playing on, you know this this week, and you know I, I think what you like what I like about this is it's another outdoors one, so, you know Andy, I think both of us are just enjoying the nice weather today. I honestly think we just like saw sixty degrees, and you know we were like let's pick some out the Beaver. I mean, I don't think either of those are very intimidating at all. Like probably some of the least intimidating mascots in all of college football, but we, you know, beavers can do some damage to some wood. I think, I think that's what they do. And yeah, I like, uh, Stanford's got a receiver, uh, Michael Wilson, not Micah, but Michael Wilson. He's, you know, he's, he's got 261 receiving yards on this year and they got Nathaniel Pete, former, you know, Columbia native. So, you know, I, I like Stanford. I think Oregon State had a big win the other week. I don't know how they beat Oregon, but they did. And yeah, that's my that's my matchup. Adam, do you got a better one? I don't know. I think mine's I think you guys's are all pretty uh pretty pretty logical. You know, you've got the outdoorsman, you've got the beaver versus tree. I've got the uh I've got a little bit of maction going on over here. I got the uh, Central Michigan Chippewas versus the Toledo Rockets. We got a little bit of uh in tune with nature versus in tune with outer space. I actually learned Central Michigan was on like a list of mascots that the NCAA deemed offensive, but they ended up being one of five schools that got like a I guess a pass because the the local um wherever wherever central michigan's located in michigan it's obviously central i forget the name of the city but the local native american tribe i guess works with the university kind of in a way like florida state does and so that's why they've been able to keep the name chippewa but uh yeah we've got a little bit of action at uh 2 p.m uh saturday on espn3 max i can confirm espn3 is is still in existence this time around they're still going they're still going 
The spread has Toledo by 11. Should be an interesting one. Eli Peters having a having a decent season. He's he's hit the century mark in passing yards, and Central Michigan doesn't really uh, seem to have it figured out at quarterback. Daniel Richardson. He's thrown four touchdowns so far this year, but he's already got two interceptions. His quarterback rating. You guys want to hear his quarterback rating? You've turned into me. Hey, I love. You've been into these games. I love the sincerest form of flattery, right? No, I love it. I I love that you're into these games. Daniel Richardson's QBR for the entire season, the entire season, he's played in four games, 32.8 QBR. Could be worse. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. At least he's at 15, he'd be trying to get up to 32 right now. I mean, like, at least he's not. Fair. Fair. Adam, can you tell me what QBR means? I don't know. I'm not a good, I'm not a good. Basically, uh, I, I can't tell you specifically what it is, but it's basically a tool to rate the efficiency of like quarterback play. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big uh, QBR fan. I, I don't I don't know what it means. I like to tweet it out when it's high because they're low because it it's definitely I think it's just efficiency is the best way I can put it. But um, in that matchup of of mascots, I much like the game. I, I think I'm taking the Rockets. Uh, just you know, a little more on the technologically advanced side. Obviously, they can they can get some space from their opponent if they need to. No pun intended. Quickly. There you go. But uh, yeah, getting into the mascot melee matchup of the week, of course, we yet again have our boy Truman the Tiger, and he is going up against George's costumed mascot, Harry Dog. That is the name of the mascot with dog spelled D-A-W-G. Do you guys have have an issue? Well, there is Ugga, and we will get to Ugga. Do you guys have an issue with that spelling, D-A-W-G? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Does it drive you up a wall? No, no thoughts on this. No opinions on the spelling of the word dog. No, I mean, well, what opinions? I, there's two spellings of the word dog. There's dog, dog, dog to do dog. I don't know what I don't know what happened on that second one. But differently, right? Dog and dog. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But uh, looking at it, Uga has two or. Excuse me, Georgia has two mascots. The first one is Ugga, um, a live bulldog who is honestly, I think, like pretty historically known. I think he's more known than Harry Dog. Um, I don't really have a list of facts in front of me about Ugga, but I will say this. I met him once. He's very cute, very pretty. Um, that was at a Missouri football game two years ago. Took a couple pictures of him. But as for Harry Dog, Harry Dog has an interesting backstory was was first introduced at the 1981 Sugar Bowl. The inspiration came for Harry Dog uh, during Georgia's 1980 matchup with Florida, where the Gators unveiled a new mascot that was apparently fairly menacing and a lot more menacing than Georgia's mascot at the time, which was named Fluffy. And Fluffy uh, was described by the Georgia student paper, The Red and Black, as a dark, dingy gray mutt with zero personality. So... Tom Sapp, who was a 1969 graduate of Georgia, created Harry Dog uh, to intimidate. Um, and he made his first appearance in the 1981 Sugar Bowl. And it's been history ever since. He goes to most Georgia home sporting events, including tennis and the equestrian team. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen a mascot at a tennis match or at an equestrian meet, but um, there you go. So without further ado, Truman, Harry Dog. 50-yard line, who you guys got? If it's Truman and Harry, I'd probably go with Harry because, I mean, Harry's got that spiky 
it looks like a really menacing dog where Truman's kind of like more of the like fun, friendly mascot. I don't know. I feel like that makes it a pretty easy matchup for Truman. I don't know. He's been he's been involved in some commercials with Matt Stafford. I kind of remember. Do you guys remember that commercial? I think it was a Sports Center commercial. He might be busy. I honestly think that that might get postponed. There is a possibility that that matchup does not happen. I think there's a chance he doesn't show up, and maybe Truman wins by forfeit. Um, but I'm 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 kind of liking Truman here. I don't really know why, other than that reason. I know Truman doesn't have commercials to do. You think it's gonna hit, get hit with a case of contact tracing? Is that? <laughs> I don't know. Something like all here. I think he's going to a commercial. Oh my gosh! Really? That's it? Just postponement? I guess so. It's gonna be post. I think it's gonna be. This season can have anything. We've seen it all. Truly, truly. I think uh, for me, I'm taking Truman, um, but not because Harry Dog's gonna be busy. And I definitely think that. Truman is the less menacing mascot for sure. But here's the thing where Harry dog has that huge collar, that menacing face, those really big arms. He's got no legs. He's got the skinniest legs. He has no center of gravity, no lower body strength. Sure. He can swing at you, but he's got no base to bring that off of Truman. Have you seen his hips? Have you seen those thighs? The lowest center of gravity ever. I think, I think if this is a standard match, Truman's getting him to the ground in a heartbeat and and it's over with. Advantage Truman, for sure. That, for that's sure. Truman's thickness could be hard to beat, but exactly. Chalk it up to thick Truman. That's all I gotta say on that. And uh with that, I, I think that pretty much wraps up the 10th edition of Tiger Kickoff, the podcast for the 2020 college football season again i'm adam cole joined by max baker and andy kimball you can find us on twitter at cole reporter at by andy kimball and at max baker underscore 15 and if you want to check out all the work that columbia missourian is up to you can head to twitter at co-missourian or head to their website which is www.columbiamissourian.com